welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Creative Director L.A. Ronane. My name is L.A. Ronane. I'm Creative Director at Stink Studios London. We're built as a global creative studio for a digital first world. Started off obviously as um, one of the bigger, cooler production agencies with Stink Film, and then they had Stink Digital, which was, you know, next level, incredible tech dev, genius digital work coming out. And then over the years, there's been more and more need to develop a sort of creative idea generating um, asset, I suppose, that kind of sits in between the two. Um, and that's uh, what, we, what we do now. Working full time at Stink Studios in London. LA manages to split her time across a further two roles, additionally serving as a contributing editor of Repost magazine and a DNAD trustee. I kind of feel like they're my other roles, really. Um, but I've been involved with um, both Repost magazine and DNAD for a number of years, so I, I definitely kind of feel that they're part of my life. Whether she's working on scripts for future-facing campaigns or producing articles for Repost magazine, nearly all of LA's work is rooted in writing. We caught up to talk about her experiences and ideas for others just starting out. When I was growing up, my parents were amazing. Uh, they, they could always tell that I was quite um, a, like a very creative kid um, and really, you know, helped that. Um, the house was packed out with books and music and everything, so it always felt like, you know, it was, it, it, I was inevitably going to end up um, doing something like, like I was doing. But I had absolutely no idea that advertisers existed, let alone that I could become one or become a creative director of one. But I always loved writing. I basically flunked all of my other subjects, but did um, like nerdishly well in English and in art. But I, I originally studied politics actually in UCD Dublin before dropping out, traveling a bit, eventually getting my act together and then getting into St. Martin's. And when I did, um, I quite quickly realized that fashion, uh, you know, as a consumer of fashion or being a consumer of fashion is very different from being a designer of it. And then I sort of moved into more illustration really when, when I was studying. And then at the sort of 11th hour, I changed my pathway into creative advertising because I really liked the briefs. I was drawn to the problems that were coming out of the types of briefs in advertising. And also then I was kind of drawn to the, the industry as well, having spent however many years I'd been in by then in London and kind of around Soho. And then also at the time, Jill Hodges, um, uh, Miss Rest in Peace, was really inspirational in showing how digital advertising was like this really big kind of exciting thing. Um, and that was what really clinched it for me because I wasn't necessarily that drawn to like, you know, the more kind of traditional agency models and 30 second television ads and all that stuff. But at the time with pieces of work like Subservient Chicken and the, um, the stare off viral that AKQA had done for Red Bull. It just felt like you could get away with absolute and utter murder online and spend brands' budgets in just insane ways, like making this really kind of rich, great entertainment, which is obviously the way the world has gone since. So yeah, that's what, what kind of, um, what did it for me. I got 
at my first job, an amazing place called Work Hub. Myself and my then creative partner, Jade Tomlin, were out and about and we um, met this friend of a friend and uh, we were saying about, you know, how we really wanted to get a job and we weren't that keen on like waiting until everybody kicked out of school that summer. Um, so we were sort of on the make, as it were. And he said, oh, you should check out Work Club. And we're like, what's that? Um, you know, because the name is kind of cool and sort of, uh, you know, like a two-word manifesto, really. It sounded interesting. And they had this really interesting model, um, you know, this really kind of great energy to, to what it was that they wanted to do to the industry. And so myself and Jade figured out I don't even know why, I kind of remember the sort of the logic for it, but we made these like little French folded kind of hand-sewn booklets that had a little bit about myself, a little bit about Jade, and then some like serious hardcore stalking from the internet about each of the partners. And we, we made and, and, and sent these tiny little booklets out to them. They were almost like, you know, four times the size of a stamp uh, back in the day. And we just thought we'd, you know, try and send something eye-catching at the very least and hopefully kind of a little bit charming and a little bit funny if not a little bit creepy and um yeah and then we we um went along i remember putting on a pair of gold spats which i adored getting on the 48 bus um and then going down to london bridge um walking up a sort of you know uh, this through this little courtyard into this old hot drying building into um what was fabulous work club and yeah shaking hands with mr andy sandals for the first time so when we um, when we first started at Work Club, um, Andy told us to make ourselves indispensable, um, and he's like, "You guys will have no idea how to write an ad. Don't worry about it. Just get in and turn out work. Keep thinking. Keep learning. Keep asking questions." But the main task was make yourself indispensable, um, and it was you know completely different from anything I'd ever expected um, Adland to be because it just felt really um, fresh and interesting and like just crazy energy and you know really really exciting um so it was just a mile a minute and um, the whole time along and we used to do this thing where we'd leave stacks of scamps or ideas or thoughts on on Andy and Ben's desks every day so um it would either be stuff that we were doing for college or stuff that we were doing for different projects that we were working on a work club and some days the, the you know the pile would be like a couple of pages and then other days it would be like this huge big mountain of of stuff happening so that they could always kind of have a read of where we were and what we were doing but um through that period I just remember the amount of work that we were generating that um uh, that never really kind of ended up being used or kind of produced and then that wasn't just unique to um, that time and place but also over your career I think you know probably about 90% of the efforts that creatives put in um, never really kind of come to see the light of day and I think you know the, certain, the sooner you sort of learn that that's just the way that it is and to slightly get over it and to slightly get over yourself I think the better but that was yeah that was I felt like that was a big sort of surprise in the world um when I first when I first got going and I yeah I don't think I ever really kind of got used to it <laughs> um and I think that's probably why I sort of have always had kind of side projects and other you know bits and pieces of things that I've been writing and involved in to you know to make sure that I'm I'm generating work I remember a, one of the early early projects that we were working on was for, um, so Nokia was like first ever client that I, I, I worked on and we were doing a phone launch. The, the creative for it was that we were gonna cast a French bulldog um, as the phone 
And then he kind of, we made these like little films about this kind of French bulldog who was really playful and kind of energetic. Um, and that sort of embodied what the phone was all about. And we made a website where the phone would turn into the dog and you could sort of explore the features of the phone, but with this dog. And it was, um, yeah, it was just really, it was like a really kind of prime example of um, of sort of this amazing sort of lateral thinking that came from from Ben and Andy's way of doing things. Um, and I remember it was reviewed in Campaign magazine and one of the dragons from Dragon's Den, I think it might have been Duncan Ballantyne, um, said that he was just like, I don't get this at all. And I remember being really proud of that, like, you know, which is probably like counter capitalism or, or something. But I just remember being like, yeah, we're just, you know, we're making, um, we're taking what could be potentially quite a straight brief and turning it into something nuts and, 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 and fun. And I don't think I've seen a dog phone website since. <laughs> since then, LA's career has gone from strength to strength at studios including AKQA in Amsterdam, before returning to Work Club and then Havas, becoming creative director by the time she was 30. Until I flew the coop and ended up um, here in um, Dreamland, that is Stink Studios. my biggest challenge is working through the system to make sure that you produce as much stuff as possible and I think now really as you know as a kind of more senior person um, my my challenge or really my responsibility is to help clients buy as exciting work as as we can push them to make and to you know that will still benefit them and um, because I think you know Certainly, historically, I think clients get a bad rap for just being kind of difficult and, you know, not being adventurous with stuff, um, which is kind of unfair because if you're not, if you can't visualize, you know, if, if something's not finally shot or filmed and you can't see it or, you know, with a crazy piece of tech innovation, you can't, it's not a tangible real thing. It's very difficult to kind of go, yeah, sure, here's five million pounds and, you know, potentially my neck on the line if this thing doesn't work. So I think... Um, I think it's really important to, yeah, uh, to help help kind of make that journey easier and help kind of show the way. And something I love so much about Stink Studios is um, that they will always prototype everything. So when we start off a project, we'll have a little think about it and then we'll get in and, you know, either play around with the tech stuff or either play around with edits as well to kind of help show what, what the sort of final finished thing might be. I think I've always worked incredibly hard and I've always like tried to learn as much as I can from the people around me. Um, I think I've always been lucky in that I've worked with people that I've gotten on well with, uh, which really helped me in those sort of formative years to kind of be somebody that people would, you know, listen to or kind of respect opinions of. Um, but I think, I mean, you know, when I look to um, the great, the greatest leaders that I know in the industry and people that I've worked with, the qualities that I love about them are the sort of, you know, people being really down to earth is amazing. Um, you know, especially when you kind of meet big kind of famous stars of the industry, like um, I'm always really, yeah, amazed about how the best of them are always like these really just cool, normal people who kind of very much stayed grounded and stayed um, probably like true to their own selves of self. Um, I think selflessness is um, is a sort of really um, you know uh, an amazing trait in in people that you see. I think it's really classy when you see senior creatives kind of not you know take all the, the credit and uh, and kind of carry on like that, which I don't always do, but I try to. <laughs> My practical advice for kind of 
following along in some people's footsteps in the creative industry would be um, to really do your homework about the types of agencies that are out there, specifically um, about the people, um, the characters that are running those businesses and also the type of work that they're putting out because the big sort of, you know, glamorous mega jobs where everybody wants to go may not necessarily be the place that you're best suited to. Because um, if you're going to basically go and spend all of your life with a gang of people, you better figure out if you're going to be a good sort of match for that character wise and personality wise. Um, so I think, you know, with everything that you do, it's all about research. And the more research you put into finding a job or even for creative projects, the easier um, and the better um, you'll you'll be on, on uh, you know, when you when you get hired or when you make a piece of work. And then I think once you get a foot in the door, um, just be really, do everything that you're told. As Andy Sandoz once told me, make yourself indispensable for sure. Um, and that's not about, you know, allowing people to take the piss out of you, which hopefully they won't. And I'm kind of surprised when you hear scary stories about that, but really about just being as useful as you can um, and as, you know, as helpful that way. Because then if you're, like, if you're helping out more senior people, then they're always going to want to have you around. And then that way you'll really kind of learn from them as well. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was L.A. Renane. The producer was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.